Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. My word, what a dreadful woman she is. I would sack you if I had somebody else to clean my pants. Anyway, so <laughs> somebody has to do it, right? <laughs> it's not going to be me. I've seen them. So anyway, moving on. I don't know how I go there. I, it's like we just have to delete. Everyone's dropping their ha- faces into their hands going, oh, he, he's done it again. I'm sorry. Yeah. And anyway, so... <laughs> So, uh, this morning I spoke uh, about that we always have a plan. We always have um, the, the purposes of God set out for us. That, that there is a the context for which we are to work. That there is something which has been set out for us. And that if we follow those things, that God can do what He wants to do in our lives. That we follow the pattern that has been set for you. And the Bible says in Romans, um, it said, sorry, was it Romans or Hebrews? It's, it's in the Bible, right? And uh, so the Bible says that if you um, follow your leaders and recognize the outcome of their lives, the benefit of their lives, um, it, it's saying that these things will happen to you. Then he goes on to say, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, Jesus is constantly working the same principles. And so if we live by the principles of the house of God, live by the principles of leadership and authority and blessing that flows into the house, then you will be blessed. Amen? And so this morning, tonight, I want to speak about always enough. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6, it says, Remember this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. The person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, Always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, he scattered, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. You know, back in 2010, um, I decided to build uh, Boaz a treehouse. Actually, it turned out to be a platform. The house part never came. And just because I ran out of timber and, you know... Who wants to spend money on things like that, even if it's your son? So, <laughs> so uh, I sort of I had loads of sort of timber hanging around and uh, posts and things, and so I, I built this platform, um, and I had um, uh, four by four posts which I put in the ground um, to set up the the uh, platform base to build it around the trunk of the tree uh, and on the fork of the trees, the branches sort of came up these big thick branches I built this platform around and I put the black platform in and then I put um, joists across and then planks on top of that 
And I just, I've just basically used what I could find and what was available, and, and I'm trying to stretch the wood, as it were. And so I, I just thought the, the, the joist at the front of the platform, um, I've, I had some Freeber one, which, you know, it's three, three inches, one inch. It's not the strongest timber in the world, but I figured what could go wrong, right? So I put this three by one on the front and it was, it was, and I'm thinking, it's not like you're standing on a piece of three by one, it's sharing the weight across the platform. So I'm standing up there on it, very proud of my, of my achievement. And Nathaniel, um, Tingle, um, Nathaniel came over uh, and he climbs up onto the platform with me and we were like two schoolboys looking out from the platform as if we were looking for Red Indians. It was like, it was just one of those moments, you know, it was like, it was just exciting. We're standing out, we're looking out across the garden and all of a sudden there's this mighty crack and we jump backwards to the base, of the, to, the, to the tree trunk as we look at the platform and literally the front joist that we were standing on had literally just dropped in half. Then it was hanging and the whole thing was like in this dodgy, and we could have, I mean, well, we would have hurt ourselves. I doubt if we would have died, but you could have hurt yourself because it's about, it's about six foot, six and a half foot off the ground. And uh, so, but the thing was, it, it broke because I didn't use sufficient resources to build it properly. And you know, we find that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of sowing and reaping. And the principles are, we need to use sufficient resource to build the kingdom of God, to build our lives. Now, I want you to understand that God's kingdom is a kingdom of absolute provision. There is always enough in God's house. There is always enough for your life. There is always enough. Now, I know there are many of you have experienced long periods of lack. You've had times of difficult times. I've had extreme lack in my life. I've had times, difficult times we've gone through this last year or so. It's been extraordinarily challenging with the financial climate as it is. As we're standing in faith with many people, we've seen our own financial constraint dry up. But there we have discovered that God wants us to understand the principles of sowing and reaping and understanding what it is that causes blessing to flow in our lives. But there's this little bit of a but in our mind. There's something about the way we read it. And we read this scripture like this. We, We look at it and we go, so if I want more, I should just sow more. That's kind of what we're saying, isn't it? If I want more, so. So basically, this scripture isn't exclusively, it is talking about financial flow, but it's, it's not exclusively talking about that. It's quite ambiguous. It's like, it's saying, if I want a closer relationship with God, I should just pray more. It's saying, if, if, I, if I want more wealth, then I should sow more money. If I, if I want more friends, then I should be more friendly. Now, that's kind of true, isn't it? But there's something in your mind going, yeah, but that's not all of it, is it? And if we only say to be blessed with the provision of God in our life in all areas, then then we just sow those things and then we'll get them. We entirely miss out on what it is 
that God wants to build in our lives. Because here's the thing. The verse implies that what you put in is what you get out. But the trouble with that is, that's not how grace works. And the kingdom of God is about grace. It's about the provision of God's grace for your life. And grace isn't anything to do with what you do. So if we want to be blessed with great wealth, and we say, if you want to be blessed with wealth, then you just got to give great money. If you want to be blessed with incredible relationship with God, then you just got to give more time. Well, we kind of know it's true, but there's something wrong with that. And the bit that's wrong with it is the grace bit, because grace is all about God and not about you. It's about God's blessing for your life. In fact, let me read verse 8 to you again. In verse 8, it says, And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, He scattered, He gave to the poor, and righteousness, His righteousness endures forever. You see, what we've noticed is that this has got nothing to do with my quantity of giving. Verse 8 has got nothing to do with how much I sow. It's got everything to do with the grace of God overflowing to my life. You see, always having everything you need. He says, and you shall always have every grace overflow to you so that in every way always having everything you need. There isn't any amount of sowing that you could sow that would reap that kind of harvest. You can't give enough to get that much. So verse 6 gives us a problem if we see it exclusively. And that's why many Christians fail to understand the full blessing. They they read, if I sow what I've sown and I haven't got, And I've struggled and I haven't received. And it's because we're seeing it as a principle of works when God wants you to understand the grace that is flowing out of it. There is an overflow of grace that is flowing into your life all the time, always, on every occasion. God's grace is first and foremost the principle by which He wants you to understand there is enough for your life. There is enough for this church. You know, we've seen great flow of financial blessing. We have blessed so many churches. We've sown finances into, um, into many places around the world. We've literally paid for um, people's houses to be built um, in, in, in Thailand. God has done extraordinary things. And at the same time, we've seen times when there hasn't been a harvest. Well, you don't harvest all the time. Actually, in the kingdom of God, there is a principle of harvesting all the time. And that comes, speaks about the river of God. By the, by the banks of the, of the river, the trees will continue in harvest. And so in the kingdom of God, you've got this miracle process of harvesting coming all the time. But we know that we live according to seasons. And in some seasons, you're just not receiving. In some seasons, you're just going through a bit of a dry period. Who knows what I'm talking about? And so with God... There is always enough. If we are stepping out on adventure, we've got to be sure that we have enough resource in our life, spiritual resource, emotional resource, 
financial resource, enough presence of God, enough faith in our heart, enough tenacity of our spirit to stick out and go, we've got enough fuel in the tank to get the job done. We just drove up to Thurzo and uh, we've changed out um, one of the cars uh, we've got. We used to have an Antara. We're now driving a VW um, uh, VW Tiguan, which is a kind of a similar. It's actually a smaller. Uh, it's a slightly smaller car. It's just basically it's like a VW Golf, but on steroids. And, uh, and it's kind of it's, it is a VW Golf, but they've kind of jacked it up a bit and and uh, changed the body shape, give you a little bit more room on the inside. And um, it, we just got this car. It's about five years old. It's got low mileage, and uh, we thought this is this is great. We'll get this, and it'll it'll be cheaper to run. And we got like 40, we got 45 to the gallon. Now, the Antara, we were getting 33, right? So we were getting 45 to the gallon up to Thurzo. And it's, you know, it's, it's like this. And then home, we got 47. So I'm, all the way, I'm just going ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. I'm just thinking of all the money we saved in fuel and how many more hundreds of miles we're getting out of a tank. just by. And, but when you get to the, we got, to, we got up to Keith and we, um, we filled up. Um, in Keith on the way up to Thurzo and we got to give them filled up and the first thing you have in your mind is will this get me here? Do I have enough? And you're thinking when, when we set off do I have enough fuel to get me to a fuel station to fill up and will it be a fuel, fuel station where I'll save, save money not spend money? <laughs> it won't be one of those country ones where you pay about 20 pence a litre more. You know, will I save enough money because I, I want to get there? I want to do it in one trip. I don't want to have to fill up again. It's a five-hour drive. Do, will I have enough? In fact, we actually got there, got back, and still had um, a third of a tank left of fuel, when normally we would be empty. And so that extra third, I got home and I said to Cheryl, that extra third is now the free fuel. That's the fuel that we never had. Where should we go? <laughs> Let's burn the fuel. And that's the amazing. It's because you want an adventure. You've got to know you've got enough resource. You've got to know that there is enough flowing into your life to do the job. The Bible says that a wise man, when he goes to build a house, first sits down and measures, do I have enough money to finish building it? Am I able to complete this task? But the Bible is saying to you, here is a principle of grace. First and foremost, you've got to understand this grace. And in this grace, it says, he saw your poverty and he gave to you his righteousness. He saw your poverty and he gave to you his righteousness. And his righteousness, what is his righteousness? His righteousness is the right principles and values of God being applied to your life. It's God's rightness. It's God making it right and putting it into your life. Do you ever remember as a child having to write out an, uh, a little story and your spelling was always a bit dodgy? You would write a sentence in a pencil and you would have all these big gaps and you get to the end of the line. But instead of, instead of going to the next line, you tried to make that word fit. And your word just scrunched all the way up at the end there, didn't it? And, and then you sort of started again and, and you'd write your essay, but it wasn't... It would have little spelling mistakes and it was ugly. And then your, you would get this, the teacher would come out and write it out for you. Or your parents would, your mum would write it out and you look at it and it was just perfect. And in your head you're thinking, I wish I knew how to do that. But as a child you don't have that ability. God, his righteousness 
is like the essay that's been written out perfectly you couldn't write. It's the, it's the brilliance of God being overlaid. God's righteousness of blessing, of provision that there is always in life is being placed on your life because simply you're poor and you can't do it. You've got to understand God is providing for you because that's what He wants to do because that's who He is. It's His grace that has been poured out on your life. And he says here, it says, and God is able to make every grace overflow to you. Everyone say, turn to someone and say, every grace. Now, he says, every grace is going to overflow. And what that means is that every area of your life where you need God to work there will be an overflow in your life. Are you with me here? Because some people think, oh, I'm blessed in this, but I'm not in that. I've got this, but I haven't got that. I'm okay in this area. Some people think, oh, I'm not okay in any area. (laughs) But the Bible says every grace overflows. Why don't you say it again? Every grace. Which grace? Every grace, every grace, all of the grace of God, the full provision of God overflows. Now we've got to get our head around the revelation of how much God wants to provide for what it is that you're believing for. See, some of us so pull back in our heart that we fail to understand there is a harvest that God wants you to reap, but He wants you to understand how you're going to reap it. And if you think it's just by what you put in the offering basket, or it's just by the time you put on serving on team, or it's just by those things, then you fail to understand the basic principles of God's grace for your life. It is so much more than all of those things. Now, the sowing and reaping principle is true in its basic form, but if you don't understand this grace, then you never understand the kingdom. See, a farmer goes out to sow seed, And when he sows that seed, he knows that he will get that harvest. Because it's a natural flow of blessing for his life. It's it's, you put in a seed, you put it in the ground, you wait the six months or however long it takes, and then it's time for harvest, and then you collect your harvest. That's, That's just what you do. But here's the thing. We want God to bless us with spiritual blessings, but we can't give spiritual gifts. We can only give physical ones. I want God to give me a supernatural flow of favor, a financial flow into my life, but I've only got money to give Him, but the the money doesn't... The money goes to God, but it actually goes in the church bank account. And it pays for electricity and and wages and it pays for that. Do you understand? It's it's, it's just physical. It's it's not spiritual. Alright? So we give God physical things, but we're looking for a spiritual answer. So, So you've got to understand, it's not about your works, even though your works are important. See, the kingdom of God Jesus came, let me come back a bit, getting too excited. 
And Jesus, in the end of Matthew, he speaks about the division of uh, the sheep and the goats. No one wants to be a goat, right? Sheep, sweet. Although goats are funny, right? We quite like them. They're funny, but they go to hell. And uh, (laughs) it's the implication, isn't it? Goats are bad, sheep are good. Actually, they're all stupid. Sheep are really stupid, but apparently we're sheep. We're stupid. So, I think that's what God was saying. I'm not sure. But, uh, <laughs> and Jesus says he's going to divide the, between the sheep and the goats. How do you work out what's a sheep, what's a goat? They all bar. Meh. They all do that noise, right? So, how do you, how do you tell the difference? And God... Sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it basic so I don't lose you. <laughs> What God does is he says, he basically is saying, I'm dividing you between sheep based on what you did and didn't do. So those who are sheep are those who visited those who were in prison, who fed those who were hungry, who went to those who were in need, who loved those who nobody loved. That's the sheep. The goats are the one who went, I'm not doing that. And Jesus separates based on what you did and didn't do. So there is a work that we must do. But the work comes out of an expression of our love for God because of the grace that flows into our life. It's not the work first, it's the grace first. Grace empowers you to do something quite extraordinary. Grace lifts your heart. Grace leads you into a place of sowing and reaping. Now, I, I need you to see this. It says here in verse 7, and here is the key to this scripture, the whole thing about how the harvest works. If it's, if it's not just about sowing and reaping, and it, but it is first about grace, how do the two meet together? How does the physical action of my sowing, of my life, however I'm sowing it, how does that reap a harvest if I've got to receive this, just this grace? Where is the connection point of my attitude and my relationship with God? What makes a difference that causes a harvest to come through? And here is the secret in verse 7. It says, this is the most important verse you'll read in this portion of Scripture. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. We used to read this and in, in the old charismatic days of the 1980s and they would say, God loves an hilarious giver. So we're all going to laugh when we're putting our offering, bus, offering into the basket. And everyone's going, ha, ha, ha. And some people go, oh. And <laughs> Honestly, I'm not, you know, you can interpret it to mean people are laughing, but really... I'm not sure that this is about some kind of hilarious, not a joke, right? He wants you to enjoy the giving process, but it's not about laughing your head off like someone told a joke or a funny story. Or it just makes you giggle every time you put, oh, that was funny. And uh, it's not what he's saying. He's saying each person should do as he's decided in his heart. You see, where the miracle breaks out in your life is not about the quantity. It is about 
the attitude of what sits in your heart. You can give time, you can give, you can serve on team, you can give into the offering basket, but if your heart hasn't engaged in free will, if there hasn't been that place of simple expression of your heart that is engaged in that process, then the harvest was of works and not of faith. I want you to see this scripture in 2 Corinthians, because this is amazing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 12, it says this, For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. Let me read that to you again. And this, if you can read 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it will blow your brains about this principle. But I can only pull this bit out. For if there is first a willing mind, or if this person has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of necessity, if you first decided in your heart, that's what you want to do. It is accepted according to. In other words, the gift is accepted according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. What that means is, it doesn't matter whether you have five pounds or 500 pounds and you're believing God for 50,000 pounds. The quantity that you give is irrelevant. What matters is the capacity of what your heart believes. The free willing, if it is according to your heart, if there's first a willing mind, if your mind wills, I just want to give to that. I'm believing God for provision. It may be that you're not just believing God, you're not living with amounts like, God, I need this or I need that. You're just trusting God for provision and you're not putting a, putting a, a figure on it. And that's actually, I would encourage you, only in times of great um, pressure points would you put a figure. You know, there are, there are figures by which we need to live. You know how much you need each month to survive. Everyone knows how much they need each month. If you don't know how much you need, I'll lend you a calculator and uh, spend some time working out how much you spend. That's how much you need. And everyone knows how much they need, but I don't pray about how much I need. I just thank God for what I will receive. I really think about how much. And it's only at times when it's like, oh, wow, okay, we need to... We need to fix the lift in the church. Well, how much is that going to cost? Oh, it comes with zeros on the end. <laughs> Lots of zeros. Okay. Well, then we start naming a figure, and then we start believing God. So we start putting in. But that doesn't determine the size of how much I give. How much I give is according to what I have in my heart to freely give. So what I've decided... And so it's not about a quantity, it's about what flows out of you. And see what happens in Psalm 119, David says, um, David says, he says, Lord, enlarge my heart. In other words, give me a greater capacity to just connect with you because in that capacity I know that I can give more of myself. And if I can give more of myself, 
freely, I know I can receive more of you by the grace that is being poured out. In other words, your heart in its free will giving to God, your heart is this cup which receives grace. And when you come under pressure, what your heart does is it contracts. And you come under pressure, but you actually receive less grace. And it's not that God has poured out less, it's that your cup of your heart holds less. Does that make sense? Your heart holds less. And so David's speaking out to God and he goes, God, I I feel my heart contracting, all this pressure. Lord, make my heart bigger. How do I get my heart to be bigger? Not how do I give a a bigger offering. Now, here's the thing about offerings, right? The greater the increase of your heart, the, the greater your capacity to give more. And you want to give more because that's what flows out of your heart. But God hasn't put an amount on that. It's not a quantity, it's what flows out of you. And as that flows out of you, so your heart increases and your ability to receive grows. I was, um, I've just spent the weekend with my brother um, and we were talking about business. He's a very successful in business. And he just said this, very, he was talking about all his customers. He said, remember this, always pray for your customers and pray for them that they've always got good money and blessing. He says, because if you don't, then you're going to run out. And I was really touched by that because it was a really, it was like he was just sowing his heart into all of these businesses. And I know that he goes around and he's always knocking on doors. He's always spending time with them, taking these people out for meals and coffees and flying them around the world sometimes um, just, to, just to sort of be a, a point of contact and blessing them. Um, but these people, some of these people, customers, they owe him, they're spending millions with him. And, and so these people are spending vast amounts of money and he wants them blessed. In other words, he's not looking them at a, as a cash cow. He's looking at them as people who are blessed. And if he, if he can bless them, then he can be blessed by them. So what is he doing? He's, he's expanding his heart. I, I want you to know that, that God wants you abundantly blessed I'm not going to say abundantly rich because the Bible never says that it says he wants his abundance to flow through your life and abundance is unique to every person's heart it's just the overflow of what he wants for your life God wants you blessed do you understand it? I remember I was in India um, and I turned to one of the, the pastors and you've got these Christians who are planting churches in the, in the slum areas. And he said, you can always tell the Christians they're the ones with the brick houses. The rest of them have got just um, tarpaulin. And they're in the slums. And he says, these are people with nothing and they're absolutely blessed. They don't even want to move out. They don't want to get out because this is where the people are. They get saved in the slums and they stay in the slums and God blesses them and then there was this pastor who's in absolute poverty you can imagine the level of poverty and there's a pastor there and he started teaching the church on, on sowing and reaping and just giving according to what is in your heart 
the church absolutely exploded and the pastor who could never afford to meet the needs of the people finances begin to flow in the church and as it flowed in the church so the congregation began to find that God had a blessing for them you see the grace of God is always the same for all people across the planet he doesn't favour any person above another his grace is sufficient for you there is a sufficiency of the grace of God. I want you to know that when, as we step out on, into this adventure, as we start doing outreach, as we start finding ways in which we can reach our community and start reaching into the hearts and lives of other people, as we start preparing our hearts and lives, there is a sufficiency of God's blessing in your life. You will find a sufficiency of revelation of the Word of God. You will find a, a sufficiency of, of, of love for people's hearts a sufficiency of gifting to be able to make an impact on people's lives, a sufficiency of financial flow that you can get the job done, that you can do what is necessary to do it, that you're able to stand up and say, God has made a way for me in my life. There is a sufficiency for you. But here's the key. The key is what flows freely out of your heart. Not out of compulsion, not out of... When the offering basket goes around, we often just pass it around. I know a lot of people just pay, um, give by um, direct debit these days anyway. It's a lot easier to do by direct debit. And so the basket is one of the things that Sharon and I love to do just on any occasion that we can, just spontaneously, is to just take what we've got and just give anyway. Because we give um, from our salary and then... And then it's just, and then what the problem with that is you don't think about it. So I've disengaged, and I've been aware of the fact that I've now disengaged the free will. I mean, I free, I chose to give what I give, but I, I've now disengaged the thought process because I'm not thinking about it anymore. It's done for me. The bank does it for me. It's all done. And so to engage in that, it's like, you know what, I'm going to give some more. And I want to give some more because I want to make a difference and I want to increase more. And I want God to bless me. And I want God to be able to bless me that I might be able to bless other people and take people aside. And just, someone this morning, a friend of mine, going through financial hard time, said, come on, we'll go to the fuel station, fill this car up with fuel. Why? Well, because I can you know what you can do stuff like that? Just take someone aside and say, hey, let's just fill up the car. You might not have much, but if you've got enough to fill someone's car up, I can't tell you, I can't tell you what it was like when we had no money. And we, <laughs> when someone filled our car up with fuel, it was like Christmas. It's like, oh, full tank. I'm not going to drive anywhere, so it remains full for a long time. <laughs> There is abundance in your life. There is an abundance of God's provision. There is an abundance for your heart. God lacks nothing and there is no lack for you. Why don't we begin to stop looking about what we need. It's not about what you don't have. Let me just read that verse to you again in 2 Corinthians It's not about what you don't have. 
For if there's first a willing mind, it is accepted. It is accepted. The gift is accepted is what it means. It is accepted according to what one has, not according to what one doesn't have. We spend our time thinking about what we don't have. But what we do have is sufficient. Is sufficient to pour out great blessing upon our life. Because we all have something to give. God has ensured all of us that. We all have something. And that something, that something, wherever it sits, in the free will of our heart, will make a huge impact in our life and the lives of other people around us. There is always enough. Let's stand up, shall we? Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.